This is Newsfeed on Purple Radio. Hello and welcome to a Purple Radio Palatinate news report surrounding the Palatinate's findings that Durham are seeking to move towards more distance learning. We reported a couple of days ago about the findings that uh, Palatinate reported on and um, it's since been picked up by some nationals, um, The Times and the BBC. Um, I have with me Bill Payne, uh, Purple Radio's Head of News, and Imogen Usherwood and Tom Mitchell, the Editors-in-Chief of The Palatinate. Hi, guys. Hello. The Palatinate obviously released, a, um, released the report two days ago. Um, they've now, you've now obviously built on that with your, with your release today. Um, what have you basically added to that? What, what new bits would, would we find in, this, in, your, in your new article that have not been previously un- uncovered in, in reports in the past couple of days? Um, so this is a, it's a new report um, from the university. Um, so the the previous one, which was, um, let me remember what it's called, it's called like redesigning Durham's educational offer, was the initial report that we saw, uh, and that's what the article that we wrote on Wednesday, and which has got national coverage today, was based on. This new report, Unbound Education, is we've been told based on that previous report. So there's a lot of similarities between the two, but when you look through the detail and what some staff have said to us is that this is a sort of toning down already. Like there's there's elements of this which are, have already been watered down a little bit in terms of the language. So I don't know whether people remember, but last time there was talk of inverting Durham's structure, which was obviously quite a strong way to put it. Mm. Now they sort of talk about, um, they've toned down that language and talk about a refocusing of the university's education strategy. So that's obviously a, a slight change in the way that they're putting it. But I think what a lot of staff feel is that this is the same report kind of put differently in less maybe inflammatory terms. Um, and that's our report sort of tries to reflect that and also take into account Professor Long's email to students this morning and sort of try and give a bit of a clearer picture of exactly what's um, being proposed in these um, in these proposals. Um, so I guess we can just spin over to, to, to Bill um, to talk about the new findings that you've just released. The big thing is now, obviously, with the Senate decision, do you think that there is a realistic chance that this could go through now? Is one of the big questions that comes out of this, I feel. Um, yeah, I mean, the staff that we've spoken to um, have said that they do think that there is a chance that it goes through. I think it's really hard to tell. I think um, the thing to remember with this is that there's obviously an element to this plan which is absolutely necessary. Like, Durham needs to make plans for October in the event that there's no, um, there's no way that students can, back, can come back to Durham. So they do need to make plans on that front. I think the thing that's worrying people is that like the included elements of longer term plans. So I think we might see some discussion around that and maybe some watering down of what the propo- of the proposals as time goes on. But I definitely think that there's a, I think there's a realistic chance that it gets through Senate purely because of the fact that Durham does need to adjust for the situation, what to do with the pandemic and also what they're going to do in October. Uh, OK, uh, that sounds good. Um, another thing which I want to talk about is in the article you reference how you know, there's been some backlash from some of the staff. Has there also been the opposite reaction from some staff? You heard some staff who are entirely for it. Um, so I don't... Um, the general kind of reaction we've definitely had from staff has been kind of opposition to it. Like, there was the letter that over 300 staff have signed expressing concern for it and fear for it. Um, there's definitely been a lot of responses kind of around social media from, if not staff, certainly from like alumni or people with interest in the education sector saying that actually 
there is something to be said possibly for the accessibility of this um, and how people who maybe can't study in person, being able to do so online is an important thing in terms of making education increasingly accessible. So people have been kind of, there's been like a range of responses to it for sure. Um, and people kind of suggesting that maybe there are very serious beneficial elements to this. I think we've seen with the entire pandemic situation that like things have become more accessible by doing them remotely. So there's been like a range of responses, I'd say. Okay. I think the other thing as well to remember is that, like going back to what I said earlier as well, is that staff have responded really quickly to the requests that the university have made of them so far in terms of putting content online for Easter term and also for Michaelmas. And I think staff do understand the necessity to do that on a short-term basis. But again, it's that long-term element of sort of repurposing what the uni is that I think worries um, a lot of staff. Yeah. Um, would you say there's maybe a somewhat financial element to this so maybe saving money or money you know do you reckon there'll be a financial impact or element to this decision um i think i think yes um i mean i don't i wouldn't like to speculate to what extent but i think that the reality is, is that the university is in a difficult financial situation at the minute purely because of the fact that international students contribute a lot in terms of their fees um to the university um and all University. I, I saw a report the other day, a lot of universities are working on the basis that they will have no international students in October. Um, obviously, that's the worst case scenario, but I think obviously a lot of universities are expecting to have a big reduction in the number of international students, which obviously has a big impact on their finances. So this, in the sense that it's a way of attracting international students without them actually having to come to Durham, is definitely financially motivated in that sense. Um, I mean, I guess you, can get, you might want to give the... the you know, the people who make decisions, the benefits of the doubt, the of the doubt. I'm sure there are pedagogical, you know, uh, positives to this decision, but certainly a lot of staff seem to think that it's mainly financially motivated and not to do with the actual education that's provided. Okay. And in a previous interview, you mentioned that there might be a student role on the University Senate, but for individual students, like I'm not on the Senate, obviously, but if what role would I have in choosing my modules, in module choice, etc.? as a result of this, because if the modules are going to be reduced or the number of the content is able to be reduced, does that give me less of a say, potentially? Um, so we've kind of, um, from the document, we understand that the, the way that the cutting of the modules is going to happen, um, it's been described as a collaborative process, um, so that um, it's going to be down to faculties to choose, but they're going to be reporting back um, to deans, to the provost, and to the executive committee as well. Um, and it's kind of, Professor Long said in his email today as well that it's going to be a proposal that's under discussion. Um, so it might not necessarily kind of come out the way it's currently proposed. If it does go ahead, though, we're to understand that as the proposal stands, faculties would then have until the 1st of June to decide which modules are going to be cut and which will be going ahead next year. Um, I don't think we know necessarily at this point how much say your average student is going to have in those decisions it, it could vary from department to department how they choose to make that decision um it's kind of really early days in terms of whether that would happen and how it would work to kind of know how that's going to affect the average student picking their modules for next year building on bill's point about um the module cuts and and obviously you you mentioned in your uh in the text that 25 percent of modules are are sort of scheduled to be axed um, what effect will that have on the residential and, and sort of the local economy uh, in Durham? I mean, I think it's kind of, um, 
difficult to speculate at this point kind of the impact these things are going to have and people are still responding um even now it's been less than two days and people are still kind of responding thinking how this is going to affect them obviously the fact if if it does go ahead in the current form um or at all that 25 percent of modules would be cut that obviously like on a student level is going to affect the structure people's degrees take the options that they have to study um and then kind of off the back of that thinking about academic staff and um the hours that they'll be able to work um the kind of research interest that they'll be pursuing as well mm-hmm. um and it's also possible that it can affect people's kinds of um like prospective students decisions in attending durham if certain mm-hmm. modules are being cut or aren't made accessible anymore for the coming academic year which would then kind of have a whole impact on the city and the university and the community um mm. so it's quite i think in these very very early stages it's very difficult to speculate exactly what effect these programs would have um but it would definitely be wide-reaching and i think it would affect kind of a range of people in different ways that we can't entirely be sure of yet um do you think the fact that it's been picked up by the national by the times by the garden and the bbc as you report in um your um in your work today um that will that will that see durham sort of back down slightly or we pass i mean without speculating are we past the point of of no return in terms of obviously we all received that email um today on uh, this friday um about uh, the idea of unbound education um so is this something that durham have 100 percent committed to do you think uh i don't think so at the minute i mean as we talked about in the last one of these that we did we like this has been revealed at quite an early stage so it's before senate so it's before it's been to any sort of vote uh, and already uh, it's been sort of reformatted once already before that vote so mm-hmm. i think you know that shows that, are, that changes can be made to the way that it's going to be done um i re- you know i don't i wouldn't like to speculate on the, the extent to which durham the durham <laughs> like sort of executive team mm-hmm. is influenced by national newspapers but i mean i think what it will do is um it's obviously an increase in scrutiny on what the on what the university are doing. And if you think that you know a few days ago nobody sort of even really knew that this was happening, and then today it's on some of the you know, sort of leading uh, news websites in the country, like that is definitely a change in, in circumstances from the university's perspective. So um, they may well respond to that. I'm not sure. Um, do you find it odd though that um, so you see you're right that uh, each faculty will have at least until the first of June to identify 25 percent of of undergrad and postgrad modules uh, currently scheduled to be taught in 2020-21 that they'll have to be cut or put on hold. Um, do you find it odd that it's not a, a faculty cut, uh, but that it's actually, you know, across all faculties? Insofar- um, how do you mean? Insofar as that um, instead of instead of them saying we're going to rein in a particular faculty in, in its entirety, but that we'll, um, instead we'll, we'll seek to, to broadly cut all all modules, uh, all uh, all faculty modules. Um, I mean, I feel like we can't entirely speak for the decision that they've made at all. But um, I think, I suppose the way we kind of interpreted it was then on the understanding that unbound education system would, if it goes ahead, have eight entirely online courses imposed by October, so that there'd be kind of eight different subjects, courses, whatever that people could study remotely for next academic year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of sounds like oh, this is a means of achieving that, it seems, so that by cutting down the number of modules being taught live across all departments and all faculties, that then that energy and that time could supposedly be invested instead in putting 
some of the remaining modules towards these eight courses that would go online as well. So it kind of seems like a case of taking energy from one area and moving it into another mm-hmm. is what it kind of sounds like to us from the way that they proposed it. But it's, a, it's an interesting idea that you raised actually because lots of people online have been responding in this way and also um, I think the university acknowledge it themselves that some departments are obviously better equipped to to teach remotely than others so the business school I think has already got a really successful mm. remote learning um, masters I think I'm not sure it might be masters I'm not sure what it is quite but uh, they, they already teach remotely really effectively but obviously there are concerns that maybe perhaps in other subjects I think maybe languages where you're you know a lot of face-to-face time is really valuable and for music say in the performance strand of the music degree that's obviously hard to do remotely mm-hmm. so I think it's an interesting point that you raised that actually some subjects and some modules are more sort of suited to being um, taught online than others. And that is interesting. That is just sort of a blanket 25% reduction across every faculty. Um, and then a final one for me, um, just the UCU, the University and Colleges Union, their con- condemnation of the proposal. Um, how, how much do you think that will have an effect on, on, on things going forward? Obviously, as we, as we say, as we've, you know, as you've mentioned, obviously, it is pre pre Senate um, voting stage. It's very early days, um, but the fact that the UCU have been so outspoken in their um, disapproval of this does that does that go any way in, in, in terms of swaying the way in which Durham will, will act going forward? I think it's I think it's interesting that it's the UCU national branch that has said that you know Joe Joe Grady, who's general secretary of the UCU, so she's basically you know she's in charge of that union nationwide. It's interesting that she's come out and said that. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, people like to say, you know, people think that the strikes over the last year haven't actually had that effect, but, so, you know, s- s- incremental improvements have been made. So strike action does work. And while there's no suggestion so far that there's going to be strike action relating to the- these proposals, I think what it does show is that the UCU and um, people who are members of a union, when they sort of act together, do actually have quite a lot of influence. So it's perfectly possible that now that the UCU are talking about it, that um, they, you know, maybe staff's concerns get heard a little bit more. Imogen Ashwood, Tom Mitchell, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, guys.